0: Minneapolis City. Goals. Yeah. What the goal?
1: The People's Pitch Podcast. Brought to you by Summit Brewing Company.
2: Listeners of the podcast. Welcome back, not only welcome back to another week of the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of Minneapolis City SC, but once again, we are united, we are a united booth here at City Headquarters, I am aligned with my partner in crime, my match day Uber driver, (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Nathan Morales. Mr. Morales, are you still buzzing from a road trip? You
0: know it, dude. Welcome back to winning, really, man. Like, feels good.
2: Feels good again. I know. It, you know, losing is never good for anything, and uh, it, even not losing. Like, we, we didn't not win two games ago, but it felt like a loss, right? Yeah, yeah. So, um, but no, we're back. We're back. It's good. We're, we are uh, not in the same location, but uh, we are together again. So, for, yeah, a, full show, for a full show. So, um, as far as what we're going to cover today, you know, you may think we're going to have a boilerplate show um, today leading into the, the break for the holiday. Well, boy, were you wrong. Uh, we're going to be covering the PLA action. Uh, a lot of stuff happened in the PLA this week. Uh, we're going to recap the heroic match in Madison. Uh, some things to look at during the during the break that we have here for the 4th of July weekend. And then we uh, finally have a listener email. Woo! So it's it's about time. So, uh, someone did listen to us. So, Nate, why don't you uh, talk a little, little PLA recap? Yeah, man. So we were
0: hoping going into this weekend, if we can come out with a win uh, on the road, a lot of other guys, a lot of other teams haven't been winning on the road, so we thought, nice, you know, our biggest competition is on the road, but that's not really the case. Uh, we'll start with the East, though. The Playoff picture in the East is coming into focus. Borealis loses to Carpathians uh, two to three, which keeps Carpathia in the mix with twelve points. Uh, they are tied with your favorite team, John Toledo, mm-hmm. for for second place. Uh, Oakland County lost one nothing to RWB Adria. Uh, Oakland County, who I hate, can suck it. And Adria's win points them on top. I don't know why I hate them, other than that per- they're they're stealing the purple rain for their supporter group name. It you just know, seems
2: dumb. I I dislike them as an organization, but I do like how they're playing. Kind of spoiler.
0: Yeah, at this point they are um, moving into the sec- moving into the end of the season. We'll talk about that. Um, only one game in the East so far this year. This is a fun bit of trivia. Has ended in a draw. So this table is very points heavy unless you are the Olay, in which case you have uh, zero points because you suck.
2: That's probably why they don't have a draw because they don't have a team like the Croatians. The, uh, they have a Croatian team, but they don't have a team like our Croatians, where on any given day, you know, Ante Koppel stand on his head and then they, they have a draw. Yeah, you know, um, where those guys are just getting worked every game.
0: <laughs> yeah that's true <laughs> so here in the west uh it was a good week to win on the road like i said of course we won we'll talk about that we're pumped about that uh rampage and the croatians had a double header a back-to-back game uh the first one they tied one to one which is fine and then they beat the croatians two to nothing uh what the hell happened there that was a little that was a little disappointing yeah. uh the crazy first game ended uh 10, 10 v 10 and the Croatians just did not have the juice to, to produce on Sunday, which sucks because we really could have used the Croatians to take at least one of those games from the rampage so we can get some distance between us.
2: You know, we talked about how our road trip was pretty nasty going to Cedar Rapids and then Milwaukee to play the Croatians, but those, those dudes had to play each other in Iowa on a, <laughs> on a Saturday Saturday. And then turn around and like basically caravan themselves back to Milwaukee to play each other yeah. again in Milwaukee. Like that just kind of goes to show the the scheduling snafus and conflicts we had when Cedar Rapids joined the league, and everyone else is paying the price. And they're they have they you know they're not
0: because yeah, of the weird true, travel. So which seems kind of cheap, but whatever. Uh, and then here the reserves uh, lost to the Bavarians. We thought, hey, maybe. Bavarians having to come all the way to Minneapolis would uh, would sap them of some energy, but they beat the reserves two to one, which I guess is the expected result on paper, just not the one we we're cheering for.
2: Right, and we uh, we had some people who went to the game, and they said that it actually, outside of a, a first minute penalty kick, um, the game probably should have been about six or seven to one. Oh, so, wow. so uh, the Bavarians
0: are playing pretty good soccer.
2: Yeah, I mean they're. They're playing a lot of soccer, which is why I'm hoping that when they roll into town in two weeks, we're going to get a little bit of a tired team because they're playing in the U.S. Amateur um, National Championships, which is being hosted in Milwaukee at the Bavarian Club, which, again, is a great facility. You and I both went there. Um, Many of our listeners went there as well. Uh, But they're going to have a lot to do. So hopefully, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about our matchup against those guys. But, um, you know, one of these days, those guys are going to tire out. Hopefully.
0: So in the East, Adria is on top with Toledo and Carpathia behind them, and the West has Bavarians, Rampage, and your Minneapolis City SC with 12 points each, but in that order on the table based on goal differential. So looking forward, we've only got three four games left per team. Uh, the East, you're looking at four tough games for Toledo, John to end the season mm-hmm. and those four games i think toledo's games are going to decide who wins the division because they're playing carpathia twice and then oakland county looking to spoil their hopes and climb up themselves but then they're going to need to fight through it because adria gets grand rapids and borealis in its final four games so those are like basically six free points right and then toledo on the 16th so right now adria is looking like my favorite to win
2: well who does uh who, who plays uh grand rapids most
0: <laughs> that was what I looked at. <laughs> it, it's, it's Adria. And then Oakland City has
2: him once. So maybe Adria. Yeah, that's yeah. a good call. Um, I don't think that Oakland County misses out on the playoffs. But oh. I think it's going to be, much like our division, there's, it's a three-horse race. And, uh, you know, we'll see how it shakes out.
0: Yep. And then in the West, man, we're, it's shaping up to be a, a tight one. Uh, we're at home against the, the Bavarians, of course, which we have talked about, and Crappids before we go over to the reserves field to finish the season. The Bavarians have a back-to-back against Croatia, and then they host Kravitz to finish the season. And then they finish the season at Madison, which is a problem. So we're going to need the three points against the Bavarians when we play them here, if we hope to win the division. Um, So two wins and a draw, maybe, in the final three games should be enough to put us through to play for the championship, at least in first or second place. But... uh, yeah, we really need to take that those three points from from the Bavarians cuz they get a free three points to end the season.
2: So they have they I thought they already played the Croatians.
0: Yeah, I know. I was um I was looking at the schedule and maybe I was looking at it wrong. But um
2: but it just seems like the Croatians are due to steal one from the Bavarians. Like they've played each other a 100 times in the you know, in the course of a calendar year, with playing in the Wisconsin uh, Major's League too, and the and those both those teams sharing players across the Majors team and the PLA team, so um, it's a it's a matter of time, I think. Um, but yeah, like you said, we we need to come out of the next three games with seven points at least.
0: Yeah. Prepare- oh, you're right. So they do get the Croatians just once. I don't know where I was looking at back to back.
2: And is it's at home, right? Th- that's much better.
0: Yeah, the Bavarians. Well, well, either way, it's, it is at Bavaria, yeah, that the, they're going to play the Croatians.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's a tough travel schedule, of Croatia to Bavaria. <laughs> <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of dirty trains. Yeah, just 24-hour trains with zero train personnel.
0: But I think, nonetheless, <laughs> since they finished their season at Madison, we're going to need those three points.
2: Right. And who knows? You know, Madison can get a couple of those set pieces they did against us, which we'll go over. And a whole ball, ball game.
0: Yeah. Surprise! <laughs> So speaking uh, of but let's 56ers, talk the 56ers, yeah. man. That was uh, I'm still like you said, we're still flying high from that game. It was such a such a great trip that started kind of on a weird note and ended awesomely. Yes. So I mean, we knew we knew we needed a good result this week, not only to keep a share of the top spot, but also we we have the short break here. And we really want to go into it with a renewed confidence. We were kind of at a at an ebb, I would say, in our in our team attitudes. So uh, then Saturday morning rolls around and we're running into some issues, putting all that confidence we're hoping to build at risk. Uh, you want to talk about what happened a little bit?
2: Yeah, so for those of you who read the 55.1 article that Kyle Ellison wrote about the game, you, you know that uh, things didn't, uh, didn't go off without a hitch for us <laughs> in the beginning of the day. <laughs> um, you know, we had a mixture between, um, you know, some travel schedule stuff. Some some player personnel issues, some injury, and then uh, the flu bug hit a few players. So, we, um, and not to mention um, when I say you know some some roster issues, um, a lot of these guys have lives like all of us do, and some guys had you know summer plans. And you know I was talking with some of the coaching staff, and you know like ninety percent of these guys when they you know were going through the trial process because it was such a long process, didn't even know they were going to make the team. So it wasn't like they're going to hold their 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 life put their life on hold in, in order for us to have you know to wait to get selected. Yep. So um we had a roster of 16 on paper going um with we ended up having uh four guys drop out. So that puts us at 11. And then we had uh, emergency goalkeeper, Chairman Dan Hudeman, as our only substitute. So right then, you're 100 percent behind the eight ball, um, and not to mention Coach Kicker didn't make the trip either; wasn't feeling well, um, and just, just couldn't couldn't make it happen, um, you know. And and let us know kind of late in the game. So I helped step in with Jeremy to to coach the team. So now you're looking at not only um, a, a fight against a team that it could sneakily beat us when we said a week week prior nothing but a butt kicking was acceptable and we didn't do that. So we run into the same buzzsaw, same trap that, um, you know, you think we can go in, go in and beat them. And next thing you know, we're, we're going with the bare, literally the bare minimum of players. (laughs) And then a a guy who knows the team well and myself, but isn't involved in in the normal tactics and the game planning that, that is Keith and Jeremy as a, as a coaching staff. So, luckily for for uh for us you know I aligned pretty well with Jeremy when it comes from a uh, to a soccer perspective so it was a lot of uh a lot of openness and a lot of kind of bouncing back and forth ideas um, with limited really resources um, and uh, and that's where we started so that, that yeah. that's that's what happened so it was you know.
0: some similar soccer philosophies and that turned that that, that turned out to be pretty good for us. Yeah, but so our starting eleven, the, you know, the guys that made the trip, are only eleven, if you will. Uh, we started in a four-four-two because we had uh, so we had Elder and Goal, uh, which was you'll you'll hear later, which was great from a leadership perspective. We had Lance Gaspar, a back line of Lance Trey, uh, who was injured but he still made the trip.
2: Just totally gutted out the whole game. Yeah. can tell
0: uh, Aaron Olson and uh, Emmanuel Brown, a new guy that has been. Uh, kind of hanging around, but hadn't played for us yet, so it was great to have him. And then uh, we had a uh, we had the mid four of Steve Ian. Uh, we had Sam, I- Sam and Ikey Forsgren, the Forsgren brothers. We had Will Kid, and then up top we went with uh, Tim Willis and Andy Laurie. So not a bad bunch of guys to have to lean on when you're in this position. huh, John.
2: Right. You know, the only new addition really was Emmanuel Brown, who had been in has been training with us and it yep. was only a matter of time, you know, where we talked about earlier that we're going to need to fill in a, a spot at the back line with Chapman, not being there. This game was kind of tailor made for someone like Chapman to step in who had been there and been involved. And obviously we all know he's not there. Um, but this was a great group of 11 when they, when, you know, we, we met to leave those guys. Um, you know, we, we, you and I drove separately, but the the team um, was nothing but positivity it was like you know what the chips are down. We we expect, expect nothing but three points out of out of this day, and they didn't even they didn't, they put the the fact aside that they weren't they weren't a full squad. They were just a, a full starting eleven.
0: Yeah, which is cool. So it looked like our approach coming to this was to play holding soccer. This is just kind of what I what I observed that we were, we were playing holding soccer until we could get organized. Move up the field together and attack together. I think it's saving people's energy that we're not having any lone wolves go, you know, bombing down the field and there's no when the whole team then has to get on their horse and chase them. It's just everyone moves together, everyone attacks together, and uh, we succeeded together.
2: Yes, correct. And I, you know, I I made the joke that it was eleven bodies in one heartbeat, and it really was. It was eleven guys who totally bought into the plan that we had. Uh, the style of play that we, we kind of put forward and talked about earlier on in the in the locker room before we went out was that um, play with friends. You know, don't, like you said, don't be that lone wolf. You know, there may be a time when, um, and we saw it kind of in the second half, and we'll, we'll get into that a little bit and, um, shortly, that where a guy like Lori was isolated one-on-one or a guy like Will Kidd was isolated one-on-one, but it was more so because we were defending and we were just trying to clear the ball out and they were able to get on the end of a clearance. So it wasn't like we... We the whole first half and second half we were disjointed. Um, you know, at halftime we did have the conversation, and Sam Forsgren did bring it up that um, if we are to just minimize the distance between our front line and our back line and during in our attack, we were being a little bit too laxadaisical about getting out of the back line and pushing pushing up right away when we won the ball, where we had too many gaps. In the second half, we closed that, and we were able to make a lot of combinations, um, mixed with getting a little bit more direct than kind of just trying to keep possession. and That's where all of our chances came from.
0: Oh, that's that's pretty good observation on his on his uh, on his part. Well, it turns I out he's really the good. The other thing at that I really liked about <laughs> this this approach was that, as exciting as it was, as exciting as it is to see, um, you know, one or two guys really dominate a game and force the other team to to adjust to them. It was it was more interesting to see those little moments of excitement that you get when the whole team is doing is playing well together. You know, there wasn't a uh it, I didn't feel like I have in the past. I didn't I didn't feel like there were a couple guys that were dead weight. I didn't feel like there were a couple guys that maybe were getting left behind by the style of play of the team or not able to contribute fully. I think everybody was Everyone was contributing, and everybody was uh, had their own little quick moments of of brilliance
2: right, and you're hundred percent correct everyone did and and it even shows to when um, you know there was a melee in the second half when we 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 ended up um, you know equalizing and and, and really trying to f- fight off a, a surge from Madison where about four guys from our team um, you know tr- it's a couple of midfielders tracking back, def- outside defenders flying around, blocking shots. Um, you know, Elder making one save at the far post and then coming back and making another save at the near post. Um, you know, and everyone really was just giving it everything that they had, um, including a guy like Will Kid, who you know traditionally in the past was more of a kind of a target forward or a partner forward up top, where we were utilizing him on the wing because of his engine and his ability to track back and to get forward in the attack. And you know, I thought it was pretty admirable that uh, the the shift that he put in because he had a guard, guard um, you know, a, an outside defender that was attacking out of the back. So mm-hmm. he had basically had to guard two guys, um, his outside midfielder that he was guarding, and then the attacking wing back. Luckily for us, the attacking wing back was terrible. <laughs> the guy was
0: awful. <laughs> so Madison's key tactic for the game, man, was basically uh, two things: set pieces and a drummer that was straight out of like Sauron's army from middle earth. Like there was just the nonstop beating of that drum and they were hoping to score on set pieces. And it almost even felt to me like they were trying to, they were trying to get fouled in our half, anywhere in the half just to create more, more opportunities for set pieces. Um, number 34 comes to mind. He was diving from the, from the opening whistle. Yeah. and And that's how they got their first goal at 10 minutes. That's how they ended up getting their second goal. Uh, you know, what, do you, what what do you do about that?
2: Well, right, you know, the number 34 there, who is their target striker, you're right? He did go down early and often and he ended up getting a yellow card. And I don't know if it was for simulation or he was talking back to the ref after he thought he was fouled. Um, but there, you know, you can never predict um when you're in training, to, you know, like I I'm going to go down at this point during this part portion of the game. It's more so like, you know, you you find guys that uh, you know, that that you lean on them a little bit and next thing you know they're they're in a heap on the ground and you see it at any level of soccer, but as far as Madison themselves you know when you're limited with individual talent, we didn't see Alex Bradley um, not sure if he was injured um, wasn't there don't know if he's on the team anymore really they're they're one attacking bright spot that they, that they have but when you're limited as a group and you don't really play that well together, you try to exploit what I like to call the secondary areas of the game or the secondary situations that you can practice like set pieces and corners and things like that. And that's where their goals came from. And they were very sharp on those. And they were very sharp on those against us at home as well. Um, and, you know, the, the first goal coming off of a header was kind of, you know, mismarking, And, you know, we're going to get into a little bit more about that, but, you could tell they practiced that, and it's they got so good at it that they know it's their only scoring opportunities, and they're hoping that they might get another one through the run of play, but they can always fall back on you know, the, the set-piece delivery. Yeah, I mean,
0: twice in the first half, we got hit on it, right? right. Um, and Elder kind of played it down post-game, but what was it about them that we couldn't sort out? It felt like, I think, same guy scored both of them, or at least he was right. involved in both of them. He and it, was, scored both. it felt like both of them went... Both of them went to the back post,
2: right? So what they were doing, um, the, it was on our part. It was a lack of communication on marking. Um, you know, we weren't staying goal side throughout the whole entirety of of the play, and they were running a kind of a three man stocked into Malone pick and roll <laughs> <laughs> um, and that we just couldn't stop. And what they were doing was that the guy who scored both goals would. Um, be set up with two other two other um, teammates, and then he would one would set the pick, and one would fake the pick, and then he would decide which way he was going. So what was happening was, um, I believe it was Lance on both goals was guarding the guy. First one just got beat on the pick. The second one he thought he was going to get picked off, and he didn't. The guy cut around the, uh, you know, went went with the fake and cut around. So um, you know, those are the types of things that you just got to get strong and more physical, and and you kind of want to maybe. Hold on to a guy and maybe pull a little shirt or slow him down a little bit and and run the risk of the penalty versus you know getting jumped over and scored on.
0: So we had a great tying goal right after the half by Lance and it's from it was from a free kick from Sam uh, took a bounce off a of 56er and he was just right there and he volleyed it in all side like uh, you know one of my favorite kind of volleys. Uh, how valuable is it to have an option at fullback that's a proven goal scorer? Because this is the guy that we were we were kind of circulating that article from when he was in high school that he scored the most the most high school goals in a game or the most goals in a game of any high schooler ever.
2: Yeah, it was like six or seven or something like that. So yeah, he was in like ESPN the magazine. Of yep. course, we were giving him junk uh, about it before the game even started. Um, and then what happens? He ends up scoring a, an equalizer.
0: Yeah, I mean it's obviously. From what we saw or what we've seen of him the last couple of weeks, you know, it's not like he's super lethal on the attack, but it's nice. Isn't it nice to have a defender that you can count on? For a goal
2: once in a while? It is. You know, goals are goals and we kind of don't care where they come from. But, yes, it is important to have uh, some goals come from the players you least expect. So your outside backs or, you know, your center backs come up for a a corner kick or something like that. But, you know, I've, I've told you this a couple times and, you know, we might see this happen um, with some of the players that we do have in the attack that are younger. Um, a player that is younger and, and talented in, in high school soccer and then moves on to the college game, um, and they were maybe a goal scorer, kind of a, maybe even a big fish in a small pond, um, they tend to move further back in the field and, and work the back line um, because they're good on the ball and they, they have that mindset of a striker. Um, however, when, when guys get bigger and faster, um, from a defensive standpoint they um, they don 't have the ability to to maybe um, beat them like they did lesser talent, so mm-hmm. not to say and take anything away from Lance, but you know that might have translated in the fact that he just naturally um, migrated well to a defensive position but you 're right he can score goals
0: so after Lance scores suddenly we 're going for the win here it 's two to two, and I want to talk about kind of steve 's approach on this attack because suddenly we 're going from just trying to hang on and hope that we can not lose this game to, holy shit, we have a chance to win this game. Um, <laughs> so this was maybe evident to you on the bench, but I watching him, he definitely plays that MTA uh, possession-based approach where a safe backwards pass is better, is, is more, I don't know, fruitful. More fruitful for them, I guess that's good. Yeah, then, then a chance-creating forward pass that might not find its man. So what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is like it, it felt like he'd rather pass backwards and do the safe thing and keep possession than maybe try to play someone through, forward, um, farther up the field. I mean, he's a great player. We've talked about it all the time. But does his style kind of slow the attack?
2: You know, um, it can. But I, I talked to him a little bit. Uh, we, we had water breaks because the the game was it was like 96 degrees on the field. And luckily, you know, I had another shirt to wear afterwards because I was just sweating through the one that I had on during the game. Not because it wasn't just an intense game, but uh, it was so hot. So during the water break, you know, I just mentioned to him that, you know, it's okay to be direct and take a forward chance, um, you know, but his style, like you were saying, that he's just been drilled into for years is that's safe pass, keep the ball. The other team can't score when you have the ball. Um, and that's what makes him such a great player, is that he is possession-based uh, from a foundation standpoint. Mm-hmm. But all of our chances came from keeping the ball for a few passes and kind of um, stretching out their, their forward line that was kind of the first line of defense for them and then their central midfield. And then that lethal through pass that we hit being direct, And I kind of hit home with him, you know, even uh, actually he and I were texting, watching the Euros yesterday, and I said, you know, um, it's okay to take a calculated risk when you're playing a long ball or a through ball that might go uh, in errant direction and not connect um, with a forward, but what it does is it pins back their defense, and then what we can do is move up and over um, to whatever side that's on and try to win a throw-in in in their defensive half versus us constantly just going back and forth and then it's just it becomes just uh you know uh, <laughs> it just becomes watching grass grow at that point because they're not gonna <laughs> pre- they're not gonna pressure us and we're not gonna, we're not doing anything um to threaten
0: yeah i mean at least let them know that there is the chance that you're gonna be coming at them otherwise right. you're right they're just gonna sit there and uh that's kind of what was what was happening but eventually once we started punching them in the face they uh they started playing us at a little bit of a higher line,
2: right? And you know we have to also think about the fact that Ian is only 18 years old, and definitely like outkicking his coverage as far as playing against you know more grown men at 18 years old. And you know he's not the biggest guy, he's not the fastest guy, and where he gets you is his high soccer IQ and that foundation of possession based soccer. So as he gets to the next level and he goes and plays at Green Bay for a year, you know I even mentioned to him today and said you know like you have such a great foundation and knowing he's going to get stronger and and he's going to be put into a position that's not mta for an entire season a college season and then he's going to come back to us next year with that added piece on top and he's going to be really dangerous
0: yeah hopefully so uh it looks like sam Forsgren is as good as advertised huh
2: (laughs) yeah that guy knows how to play soccer (laughs)
0: Two, two huge goals. I mean, he gets off a of plane like a day and a half before the, Not before even, the game. Not even, like
2: hours before. Yeah. He went to the Euros and comes yeah. back from France like Pretty eight much eight
0: gets home, goes to sleep, wakes up to a text saying, hey, man, we could really use you to play. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, two huge goals and so calmly. No junk. It wasn't like he, you know, there was a ricochet or anything, man. Like, he had that chip shot for the win. He had the the play from his brother that he just – calmly put away um you know for the for the opening goal i i really like him what's your ideal midfield look like for us to finish out the season with with sam on
2: the team now well um uh, to answer the question i don't think that he's involved in our midfield <laughs> moving
0: well oh, that's right because he's really more of a forward isn't he
2: <laughs> yeah he's more of a i mean he's attacking minded player so you can use him in the role so when we say we played a 442 we played a diamond and he was on the tip of the diamond so he yep. was about as forward attacking as we could get him with not having the personnel that we, that we normally have. Um, he had to put in a shift and we'll hear in his interview, he talks about that a little bit, but um, I don't see him being in our, our midfield going forward. I, I still see it as a mixture of, you know, Sam Plaza, Wexler, Steve, Um, even Nate Engel when he, um, he, he's injured right now. Um, but if he comes back healthy in the next couple games, even seeing him in there, um, you know, if we have to kill out a game and and we have to add in another, another defensive minded center midfielder. Um, and then we have AJ and Max who uh, were unable to make the trip last minute. Um, those two guys are excellent midfield players. So, Mm -hmm. you know, any one of the, the group of, I believe I mentioned five minus Sam, um Forsgren I think is is totally dynamic from a central standpoint then you mix in guys like Will Kidd you mix in Matthew Gway you mix in Goose we didn't have Goose who was our most dangerous attacker you know we start having the ability to play with a couple different options and you also have a guy like Huff Camerata those guys can put a shift in the middle too so um I don't think we're going to need to lean on Sam to be putting in uh, some defensive work in the midfield. We need to um, let him pin his ears back and, and go score some goals.
0: Yeah, word. So it was the first game with the team for Emmanuel Brown, E-Man, and this is a guy we've been talking about almost since the beginning. I mean, he was the mystery guy at trials that scored this goal and then just like walked off into the into the night, <laughs> uh, a of the Incredible Hulk. Like we never we never thought we'd see him again, and here he is, and he's a great addition finally. Um, yeah i mean I thought he' think you think good
2: first game I thought he played fantastic, and you know he he's not Abdallah Ba, and he's not a o he's his own he's his own man yeah and uh you know he he drew the uh the short straw and actually ended up having to um you know pretty much one on one match up on the on the left side with uh their most dangerous attacker and yep. it didn't the game didn't start off well for Enan when he had to to bring a guy down to stop and attack the, the the guy that we just mentioned. And then he had to, um, you know, he had to play the almost the entire game on a yellow card.
0: But I thought... Yeah, he did it. He did it just fine. He, he kept composed, um, you know, made some smart plays on defense, smart, you know, just putting his body in front of the ball. And I, I was really impressed.
2: Yeah, I thought so too. I mean, the difference between him and Abdallah is the offensive piece. Like Abdallah yep. is just so smooth getting forward. And then he's he's so all on the flip side is so adept at tracking back and and getting back in a defensive position um, where Emmanuel not as gifted going forward, even though we talk about that wonder goal he scored that one time, you know, caught lightning in a bottle. Um, But, you know, it wasn't his job on that day to play in the offensive end. It was his job to get in sync with the other three guys in the back line with him and, and listen to his goalkeeper and just play soccer. And And not to mention too, um, pretty pretty lethal throw-in actually. So a couple yeah. of deep throw-ins that um, caused some fits for for Madison. Not only when we were trying to kill the game out, but when, um, when we were trying to attack and get those get the equalizers and then eventually the game winner. So a lot of little things he did right, and uh, you know, quiet guy. And you know, at uh, at halftime, he was one of the ones that was stepping up and and motivating the guys. So it was it was great to see.
0: Oh, that that is good to see. So finally, man uh, player of the game. And I think when you only got 11 guys playing, it could, it could really be everyone. So, you know, I'm going to do the cheesy thing and really pick the starting 11 as a player of the game for coming together, you know, playing, playing as a team and snagging an amazing, uh, if not improbable win. I mean, you could, you really could, you could pick Will, you could pick Sam for his two goals. That's an obvious choice. You could pick Ian for his composed midfield play Trey for, for pretty much bottling up their attack. Um, Elder. You know, A.O., the all of these guys contributed.
2: Right, and I totally agree with you. And, you know, you have to buy into the plan in a case like this, um, That and everyone did. There was not one person who we had to talk to, be it through the run of play, hopping off the bench and and, marching, or, uh, and barking out orders, um, at halftime, at the water breaks, you know, in the locker room beforehand. Everyone bought in, and there was really nobody— um, who wasn't all in on what Coach Jeremy and I drew up, which was which was great and was really the reason why we won. So definitely uh, a, a team game ball.
0: Yeah, I love it. So let's hear for some players. Uh, it sounds like you know the guys that I talked to are really excited for this for this resurgence, uh, this great team dynamic that they that they discovered on this road trip, and they're ready to compete for the rest of the season, ready to compete for a title.
2: So, yeah, let's uh, let's take a listen to see what uh, what your captain, Matt Elder, had to say.
0: All right, Matt, obviously not an ideal situation traveling to Madison with only, uh, with only 12 men on the roster, and one of them being Dan Hodeman. <laughs> hmm. uh, what, what was said before the game to you guys, and what were you guys talking about on the, on the car ride over here to motivate yourselves to play the full 90?
1: You know, we were, I mean, yeah, like you said, not ideal. 11 players, I mean, and Hodeman 12, I guess, if you will. Um, but I mean, it was we needed 11 to play, and we were happy with the 11 that came out. I mean, you saw it. we got 11 guys that could ball that made the trip, so we were confident. Uh, a lot of it was, hey, be smart on the balls you chase, be smart on your passes, um, you know, and just play as a team, communicate, and we came out here and did that.
0: Definitely an up and down game. We went uh, we went into the locker room at the half down two to one. Uh, their set pieces were lethal in that first half what do you what do you attribute that to what were you seeing on the set pieces
1: you know the first goal we were marked up just fine um, it came off of his back so he didn't even see it go in that's unfortunate uh, second one marked up at the start lost our mark and that just comes down to you know losing focus in the heat we gotta just you know be more disciplined can't lose marks
0: what were you guys what were you guys saying to each other in the locker room at the half when uh, when you're going in down two to one and you come out 10 minutes later up three to two. Well, where, where'd the change come from?
1: It was just, I mean, it was calm in the locker room. Nobody panicked. We had a presence, you know. I mean, Andy's in there, older guy. He's been through this. Jeremy, great job stepping in as the, the head coach here. He just said, you know, soccer's a crazy game. No matter what happens, play to the whistle, I've seen crazier things than 11 guys coming back 2 to 1. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, hey, it was staying calm, staying composed, and believing in the 11 guys we had.
0: All right, man, well, we're going into a long break, uh, as it is, where we got a piece of first place and our next three games, our last three games, are going to be home in the cities. Uh, how are we feeling for prospects for the playoffs?
1: Confident, man. I mean, we're going to go take care of business. We've seen everybody in the um, – like you said, the last three teams are at home, so we've played them on the way. We've got results. So now we just go defend our turf.
0: All right, man. Calendars are clear for Toledo, huh? Yeah, Absolutely. I'm going. All right. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. So there you go. I mean, I think Matt is always uh, – you know, always he always hits a nail on the head. He knows exactly – you know, he knows how to get get right to it. I think he was a little little generous on the uh, you know on his evaluation of of those set pieces. Just you know, hey, it's the heat and it's you know a little mistake, and that's all. It's it's nice to see that he can and the team can just like move past mistakes like that and say, yeah, we we just moved on and kept scoring. Well, the worst. Uh, thing but happens. I also talked to Sam. I was able to grab him the, and. The- uh,
2: you know the worst thing to before we get to that to talk talk a little bit about the the interview. The worst thing a goalkeeper can do is is just toss his defense or even his midfield under the bus or say like, yeah. well, I made four six saves. Why didn't they score four goals and they had chances?" So very diplomatic, you know. And uh, and, and
0: yeah, I mean, I, I like every once in a while with a player, I'll serve it up to him like, "Hey, uh, you know, here's what was going on in the game. What'd you think about that?" I think we had a player bite on that earlier who said like, "Well." I saw some terrible, terrible possession, stupid decisions. That was Will. Uh, was nice was, to see Matt, who's just always supportive of, of his teammates.
2: That was when uh, that was when we interviewed Will Kid after the Cedar Rapids game. Where, where, yeah,
0: where, I loved like, that. He just when he jumped in and just said, "Ah, I jumped on there to try to do better."
2: <laughs> um, but you know, you said we we also interviewed Sam Forsgren, making his first uh, appearance with City. A great debut. We told him he's allowed back. So, let's uh, let's hear what he had to say.
0: I'm here with Sam Forsgren, recently back with the team or recently with the team. Sam, we talked to you way back on the podcast uh, and we knew that you weren't going to join us till the middle of June thanks to thanks to your school schedule, but you were also with the Euros. When did you uh, when did you get back from 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 France?
3: Uh, yesterday uh,
2: around like 1 or 2
0: a.m.? Uh no. Uh. <laughs> we are doing in the afternoon? All right, man. So Having zero experience playing with this team, uh, maybe getting a little bit of warm-ups in together, how, how did it feel stepping on the field with basically a bunch of guys you don't know that well?
3: Um, it felt pretty good. I, uh, I played with like a few of these guys like for a little bit, just a year or two here or there. But um, I could tell there's good energy. There's a lot of very positive attitudes from everyone. There's people coming out to work, you can tell. We have 11 guys who are committed. They made the trip. So Yeah, I was, man. I was impressed. I asked Matt
0: the same thing. Uh, you know you find out that you're traveling with 12 guys soup not at all ideal uh especially in a 90 degree day what were you guys talking to each other about on the drive here and and how did that motivate you to to step up
3: <laughs> i actually uh woke up and got a text from keith hey can you make it because i was planning on just <laughs> settling back home so <laughs> oh shit i grabbed some stuff and came over and um i don't know the car ride there, just like you know what we're gonna be all right like it's a hot day but we've got 11 guys who are committed and a talented squad you could tell it's very balanced Right people in the right places, so nobody was too worried.
0: That's good. First yeah. impressions of the team, since this is the first you've uh, you've seen of everyone play together, uh, besides your brother, of course, which yeah. was like, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. But what, what's your first impression? What do you think? Uh, what do you think of this team?
3: I like uh, the style of play a lot. It's very relaxed, possession oriented, but we can attack when we need to. And just a lot of hard work. Like defensive, or defense is really responsible. I think we got a lot of mature guys back there, and that really helps. Because it's a lot of college people in this league, but having people like Aaron back there and even Trey is pretty mature for his age, it really helps you out.
0: Super convenient that you were kind of uh, slotted in, in the midfield on the same side as your brother. How did uh how did that backyard soccer come into play? I mean you guys talked you both you both had talked about how you're playing against the house and play- making up your own games. Did that uh did that help you out today?
3: Yeah, I think so. There's a lot of uh balls that were just bouncing away from Mikey and I'd just be like, come on, you like you can go after this one, like you can win it or like, we just kind of used to playing with each other, so I'll give him a little look and try to slip him through. But.
0: So competitive, not only did your, did your, comf- your uh, ability to be comfortable with each other come into play, but also your competitive nature, you're goading each other on, you're making sure you're holding each other to a high standard.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, I always like playing with him. He puts in the right amount of effort, and he's a talented player. So
0: First game, man, two goals. Uh, that ties you for the team lead, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> Uh, how many more are you thinking for the end of, for the rest of the year? Three more games plus uh, playoffs.
3: Hopefully more than three. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I guess we'll see how it goes. We're gonna, I guess, work in some other guys too who are pretty talented players like Matt Guay and Boss. So we'll see how we get moving after that. But hopefully a lot more. Hopefully we get some more results.
0: For sure, man. Three more games, uh, and then it's time for the playoffs if we make them, which looks like we're uh, we're in a good position to. Uh, how do you see your role? moving forward for these last three games as you as you kind of slot in for the end of the season?
3: Um, I think with a uh, deeper bench and some of our, I guess more of like our team here, I'll be a little bit more attack oriented than I was today. I was more of like a pure center mid today, just helping out defensively in like the last 20 minutes, which I'm fine doing and I'm glad to do it. But I think once we get more of our specialists back, I'll move more into an attacking spaces.
0: Excellent, man. Yep. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, go jump in the shower and... Have a good ride back, man. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah, thank you. Great to see you. Sweet. It's great to have him, and it's hopefully we're going to see a ton more of him and ton more goals out of Sam. Um, it's great to have more offensive options.
2: That's yeah, for sure. I would agree, and and I think um, you know we're going to hit the reset button. We're we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but we're going to hit the reset button, and we're going to have a plethora of attacking options and and chess pieces that we can move around the board, and. um with him especially you know he hadn't played soccer in 3 weeks and comes in and scores two very important goals for us and um you know like he mentioned in his interview he, he's played with some of these guys before including his brother um who um who he connected well with and you know other guys in there that um once he gets more familiar with the guys that weren't there with some of the firepower like uh like Wexler I think is one uh it's going to be it's going to be pretty dangerous for anyone coming into the barnyard at the end of the season
0: yeah so, you know, we've got a little bit of a break before we play the Bavarians on the 9th. And I think there's going to be some things to address, but I want to also talk about some things that we're really loving. Um, we, you know, we've, we saw how these 11 guys played together this week. I mean, we can agree, well, they played well. Uh, great. So with, with minor tweaks, I think maybe these could be the guys. Uh, these could be your horses for their, the rest of the time. Uh, your thoughts?
2: Yes, I think that for sure in the team sheet, right? Like the 18, because they, they, they earned it, right? But perhaps maybe not just an immediate carryover into the full 11. You know, yep. we talked about, you know, some guys um, had to bail because of, you know, any number of excuses, um, whether it be health or, you know, travel, whatever. But the guys who who, you know who we accounted for not being there, um, you know, like Wexler and and like Plaza and, you know, we have Huff and or hoof and, and a couple other guys. Um, you know, I, I see them still having to try to compete with the guys that, that weren't there. Um, but definitely there's no reason why, um, the majority of those guys aren't lining up again. And then at least being our off the bench options.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we want to make sure goose is in, we want to make sure Sam is in, um but for the most part god just it looked it looked so good and the communication was was great and these guys had this had this bond it would just I feel like it might be a shame to to break it up too much.
2: Right. And I don't think we will. I think we'll we'll make those those calculated decisions and 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 put the uh the guys in in the spots where um you know pu- putting out the best 11 that deserves to be there.
0: So I uh I went out to Twitter today and asked around because, you know, partly to, to get some talking points, but partly just to check and make sure that I'm not crazy. Because, you know, <laughs> I wanted to kind of bounce some opinions off of them or at least measure my opinions up against kind of what some of the other fans and, and, uh, and guys like you and other journalists are thinking. So I'm looking for, personally, moving forward, I'm looking for a more coordinated attack out of this team. And I heard that a couple times on Twitter today, too. Uh like I said earlier I really loved that everyone moved together I really loved that you know they they attacked together and there weren't any there wasn't anyone stuck out of position um who adds to that coordinated attack and who prevents that coordinated attack from um from becoming a reality
2: I think the number one low hanging fruit of who who adds to the attack is um Sam Forsgren right and he yep. and he showed it so that that's like one A, I think. One B is an adjusted lineup of what we currently have seen, and and balancing our attack with everyone versus uh, maybe always going to a guy like Goose or always yeah. always expecting Andy Laurie to do something out of the ordinary every time he gets the ball in order to create a chance, and and also the the ability for what Sam had mentioned is shortening the distance between our backline and our front line and really attacking as a unit, and we did that in this game. Now you sprinkle in some more individual firepower, things start to look dangerous.
0: Mm-hmm. I heard that. So, so far, we both agree that Goose is really the most pleasant surprise of this year. We never would have expected him uh, to step in and have such an immediate impact on how dangerous our team looks. Uh, what are your other high points? Other high points from the Twitter sphere, you know, everyone's loving Elder. Uh, really, people just love the back line. And I'm going to. I would attribute that to the leadership of Nate Engel and Trey, of course, and people are really liking Andy Laurie. People are really digging on Steve. I mean, is there any, any players that they're, that they're missing?
2: Well, I think the, the Wexler play in the middle of the field, um, and that's something that if we had that option against Madison, there, there's, no, there's no worry at the end of the game that we're going to have to eke one out because he's not either going to kill it or he's going to be kill out the game uh, by, by having that effective possession and, and always wanting to go forward and making the right risks um, to kind of spring a forward, um, but also his ability to um, just generally get forward when we're getting complacent and trying to create things. So I think him for sure. Um, the other person was is Ikey Ikey Forsgren, who's kind of been a, a majority of a, a late-game a late sub outside of the fact that he scored you know, a blinding rip um, against, um, against Minnesota United Reserves. But he's yeah. kind of our, our Swiss Army knife. You know, he, he can, you know, you need a screwdriver, there's Ike. You need, you need a scissors, there's Ike. <laughs> you know, and um, he, I think a little overshadowing um, him is the, the fact that, um, you know, Sam is such a decorated player and a little bit older right so ike is a little bit in that shadow but just a great player and he just quietly goes about his business and and does a job for us um whenever he gets in i think um also the effort of will kid the guy comes to practice every week never complains about you know whether he's you know he's in the starting sheet or he's coming off the bench or he's playing out wide or up top he just uses that engine that he has and that constant drive to to work hard and, and, you know, that short-term memory, if he does make a mistake, um, is is really game-changing. And, you know, last game, we actually, in um, the second half, flip-flopped he and Ike um, to, to exploit a, a mismatch with a, a defender that didn't do well under pressure. And, yep. and Will, with his pressure, um, was able to create multiple chances, including almost squeaking through um, on a great pass by Forsgren on a diagonal run where he was brought down at the edge of the box, which... Could have been ascending off for the the last man back, um, questionable call from the ref. But we did get the free kick, and he was about a, a half touch away from being able to bury one in a corner.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, I think you know, the like you said, the effort just the effort of will just changes a game. And uh, you know, I hope this was the this was the bre- I hope this was the breakout game for him to kind of bring him to the forefront
2: mm-hmm.
0: for the, in the coach's mind as, as a guy that deserves to start and not come off the bench, um, you know, in the 60th or 70th minute.
2: Right, and I think the last piece is just the attitude that was shown by the players on Saturday. All the adversity, you know, we're a first-year organization, we're we're learning, teachable moments, like we've talked about, Um, but just the overall positive attitude they showed that was lacking in Cedar Rapids. It was lacking against the Croatians, for sure lacking the first time we played Madison. So, you know... If we continue to build on that, um, that positivity, you know, we, we thrived earlier on in the season being kind of the, the division underdog. Like, what's Minneapolis yeah. City going to be? And we played with that kind of chip on our shoulder. Like, you know, no one respects us because I think we're just a bunch of loudmouths on Twitter. and you know, <laughs> which, from, which we are. Which we are, which that's, that is our thing, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. Um, but, you know, we had, we had our backs up against the wall. And, you know, mix into that more positive attitude that we're supposed to be there, I think, is is what we can build off of as we go into the, the last stretch of the season.
0: Yeah, so what are we going to work on over break? What are what are these rested, refreshed crows going to look like when we see them on, on July 9th? You know, or, or do we know who we're going to be riding for the rest of the season? Do we know if there are any tactical changes that are going to get made? Uh, do we know... Really, you know who's our who? The, who are the guys we have to lean on?
2: Well, I think organize, organizationally, we dodged a bullet, in Madison, and you know we yeah. need to get back on track. That it's, it's unacceptable for us to be rolling into anywhere um, as an organization with barely enough players to play. That's just yep. not who we are. And we have a, a we have a deep roster of of guys in training, guys that are that are dual ro- rostered between um, our our men's amateur team with Stegmans and then with the guys in the player pool for Minneapolis city. So zero excuses there. Um, and you know, we're working from an, you know, I can speak firsthand. We're working from an organizational perspective to clean that up because, you know, going forward, that's not what's going to happen. And it's, it's unacceptable for it to happen again. So I think that's number one. Um, you know, so we're gonna, we're gonna hit the reset button, um, from, from a player standpoint, um, you know, heal guys up from injury um, and really re- reset the commitment level that we are going to push for a title mm-hmm. and th- everything is in our hands for us to get into the into the league tournament. Like there's no reason why um, we don't do all the little things that we've just mentioned um, attitude wise and, and riding the hot hands. Um, and, and we have to make sure that the guys that are going to be in the camp as we move into the end of the season are committed to the same goal. Just like they were on Saturday, the same goal of you know what this sucks, but we're we're coming out of here with three points. No matter how we're going to do it, we're going to do it. So I think that's 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 a big piece. Um, and then I think you know we clean up the roster a little bit as far as issues go. You know I don't see us. We talked about maybe bringing in some other players. I think we have the we have the players now. Now yeah. it's it, there's there's no need to bring in, in anyone new unless they're they're absolute specialists that. Um, we don't currently have, and I don't think there's a whole lot of those guys out there.
0: No, especially this late in the late in the summer when everyone's kind of decided what they're doing. Uh, right. It just feels weird to start to keep talking about adding players. You know, right. I'm with you on that.
2: Right, and you know, in in it's like I say, adding a specialist, it's adding someone who is going to be an immediate value that can immediately um, do the work needed to get on the team sheet. You know, yeah. there's, there's no there's no uh, you know bringing in Ronaldo or Messi you know we're not going to have that ability or be afforded that ability or what we would bring in is someone to cover for an injury that's almost a like for like switch at this point which i i don't see that happening because we have those people they've been at our trainings we just need to actually go out and and make the selection and make sure people are available and that's part of the organizational stuff we have to clean up you know making sure we know who's available to be even selected for these game sheets and then make the ultimate tough decision on who's going to start
0: um so it feels like when we're recommitting to this, we're making a new commitment to a title, and it might be an initial commitment for some of these guys. There are going to be some some leaders that we want to lean on. You know, Andy Laurie is going to be there for us. Uh, you know, Matt Elder is going to be there for us. Trey, obviously, is the captain. We we'll want to make sure we'll be will be vocal and kind of help us help the team focus on that on that goal. And because I think it might be a goal that wasn't really in a lot of these guys' minds to start the season. And it right. definitely wasn't in mine. I remember after the the first game, just going to the Bavarians game to open this open the year, I thought, Hey, let's just see what happens, man. You know, like I think we've got some good players, but you never really know. And then we draw and then we start winning and we start doing doing well. And suddenly we're thinking, Holy crap, we have a chance. And so somewhere somehow that fell off the last couple of weeks, but I feel like we're back and we gotta get the guys we gotta we, we gotta lean on the leaders to really get the guys pumped up and, and going all in.
2: Right. We need to rely on the, on the uh, prepared 18, like I mentioned, and then the right 11 out of that, that 18. And then situationally, from a coaching perspective, we need to be able to, uh, to quickly adapt in-game, like we did in Madison with short resources, um, when we have a, a, longer, a longer list of, of firepower that we can, you know, we can use to, to change a game the, the right way or to kill out a game when we're winning. Is that
0: something you feel like we were missing, is that flexibility to adapt in-game?
2: I think it was, um, you know, I'm not necessarily going to say no. I think it's more so um, being willing to take risks, um, calculated risks, right? Mm-hmm. Like bringing on a guy who may be a little bit unorthodox um, from a attack perspective that um, could could change a game because of something that we saw in training versus, um, you know, what they are on paper. You know, it's, it's really looking at the guys in training and, and maybe seeing how guys perform when taken out of their, their immediate comfort zone um, and how we can use them to, to win a game or to, to solidify it or, or to steal points like we did in, in Madison. Um, you know, and it goes back down to that, that prepared 18, prepared for anything that the, the opponents might throw at us because we've seen everybody already uh, once and we know what they're going to throw at us. But hopefully what we can do is devise a game plan from what they've seen the first time we've played them that they're not gonna be ready for.
0: Yeah. So, well, I mean, this is it, man. We're in the we're gonna be in the home stretch starting July ninth.
2: Yeah. We and we have a tough test having the Bavarians come in. Um but I think we're gonna be up for it. You know, it's the the mojo is uh, is running over <laughs> right now. <laughs> um,
0: we'll pull so, up on mojo. Well, yeah. Hey, dude. So we've got a listener email. How exciting is that?
2: Yes. So we, after all this time. Yeah. After all this. They're time, really out there. After all this time. So let me pull it up here. So um, our our listener is Brian Johnson, who I believe has had a, a couple. <laughs> I think he's been carrying the load for the listener emails. He's asked a couple of them, but he says, "Hello, gents." I have a question about the pitch we play on at home. As you've referenced, and the players have also referenced, and I've seen in person, the field is in rough shape, or without rain being part of the equa, or um, rough shape with or without rain being part of the equation. We had a lot of rain here. Um, the dimensions are small, um, smaller than many of the um, that the players are used to. There's a crown on the field; it's large. Um, You know, it's great and all that Minneapolis South provided access to the field this year, but wondering if there are plans to move to a different Minneapolis location for future seasons. I would say the results of a couple games were affected by the field, and it would be a shame for the team to work so hard but not reach the top of the table due to field conditions. I get both teams have to play on the field, but if your team is built for width, speed, and space, it can affect the team even more. Um, thanks for the work on the podcast, Brian, and then in parentheses, or Bill. We must have called Brian Bill <laughs> previously, <laughs> <laughs> and he's calling us out. So uh, Bill or Brian, uh, we apologize. Um, so I think I'll, you know, uh, I'll tackle a couple things in here. I think, one, um, he couldn't have been more dead on that we are at Minneapolis South because it's extremely difficult to find a centralized field that's grass. Um, which is one of our simulations that's in the city and it's accessible for people to get to. Um, And we're not going to be like Minnesota United and we're not going to play in Blaine. We're not going to play in Woodbury. We're going to play in Minneapolis. So that was the field that we were afforded in year one.
0: So you just, I just real quick on what you said, the, the team, the, the ownership, Dan and, and, and you guys decided early on in the search process that, we are going to play on grass. Absolutely, we're not going to we're not going to look for an artificial turf field. I think that's something we played on in Madison. Um, Cedar Rapids had it.
2: Bavarians was that artificial as well? Yep. The only grass field in our league besides us is the Croatians.
0: Yep, and they play in like a empty prairie.
2: Yep, and from what the players said, it was basically like playing on the parking lot. So, <laughs> so, um, so yes, yeah, so that was a commitment. We want to play. So on why grass.
0: why why make that choice?
2: Um, because that's the natural surface that soccer should be played on in my opinion. It's,
0: it's, it's, so it's a puritanical choice, but not, it's not tactical at all. It's just, you know what? We believe soccer should be played on grass.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. I love it. I think it's great. Absolutely. You know, and look what happened with the, the women's, the women's U S national team, basically almost forfeiting the chance at winning a world cup just because they didn't want to play on turf because the men don't play on turf. So, um, you know, I think turf is, has, its, has its, its positive points indoor winter training and outdoor training. But when it comes to game day, the game should be played with three referees, 22 players on grass, two goals, right. and four You're corner a flags.
0: You're purist, and I like it.
2: Four corner flags and, and fully lined field. Um, so that's the first one. Um, so in future seasons, yes, we, we were um, ever so close at De La Salle High School, which in my humble opinion is the best grass surface in Minnesota. Um, and we, we've had the opportunity to continue talks with them. Um, that's going to be ongoing, so potentially um, something that you might see us uh, moving to in the future. Also, Minneapolis South uh, was granted um, some money through, I believe, the the, Vi- uh, the Vikings Foundation to redo the barnyard uh, within the next two years. So there's also an opportunity for us to be staying at the barnyard, but the facility is being upgraded.
0: So And also kind of um, informing them that, that upgrade to say like, hey man, if you're gonna spend some money on making your feel better, here's some suggestions that hey, that also benefits us. How convenient,
2: right? Exactly. So another reason why we could stay there, um, but you know, to piggyback off the last point here that that Brian had was, um, you know, both teams do play on it, and our our lineup, no matter who we throw out there, is going to be able to be quality on any surface. But yes. W- We are not built for a narrow field and we're not built for, um, you know, a a crowned surface. But we have the individual skill to be able to compete on it. And it becomes an added advantage to us um, and a home field advantage that um, a lot of the teams that come in aren't ready for. And you don't see a lot of goals against us at home. Through the run of play, building uh, uh, building an attack from the ground up, what you find is set pieces and things that would happen on turf anyways. So that's a great point. So that's it, Mister Mister Johnson. Thank you so much for for emailing us. Um, Everyone else should, and we'll be giving uh, we'll be giving out that uh, that email address shortly. Um, But we encourage everyone, um, whether it be Twitter, whether it be via the the internet through email, um, you can you can call Nate whenever, twenty four hours a day. He's available. Um, (laughs) Yeah, on the bat phone. Yeah, on the bat phone. If you if you just want to talk have a good cry, um, whatever, but yes, please get back to us. We, we like to know what you're thinking and, and provide our expert and humble opinions on, on the, the topics that you want to hear about. That's right. So, um, I guess, I mean, that's, that's it. You know, we, um, we don't have a team to look forward to next week. We have that reset button we're going to hit. And, uh, you know, next week's the 4th of July. Um, happy birthday, America. Um, whoop, whoop. Nate you will be in San Diego Which I believe is Spanish for Whale's vagina is that That's what I've heard Yeah that's what I've heard too um, Yeah I'm interested to check it out But um, you know um, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll go into ne- next week with a reset We'll, we'll, hit, we'll hit training really hard um, You know We may or may not have a show If we do maybe a total surprise um, You know maybe, maybe I'll bring on Someone else a little Q&A uh, there's been some some requests from the inner workings that we get Andy Laurie on here because, like us, he uh, in front of a microphone he can't stop talking.
0: Oh, he's so, such a good interview. He's such a good. I mean, he, he's just a great great guy to have a conversation with.
2: Right, right. Um, and up until yes, uh Saturday, had never been to Culver's, which is weird. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Who is this guy? Yeah, so he got Culverized for the first time. So we may have a show next week, um, but keep a lookout on Twitter. Uh, and we'll we 'll let you know if we 're posting it, um, but unchained number twenty two is here um, it 's got a hilarious name, Nate what is it <laughs> Zingaber. Zingaber. the the cream ale from the brewer of herculean woods it 's got some ginger up inside it, um, plenty of sexy yet a soulless twist on the classic summer cream ale. Gingers
0: in, don't have souls, get it?
2: <laughs> yep, I totally get it. Um, <laughs> if you're interested in, in uh in learning more about the Zynga beer, uh go online to summitbrewing.com and learn more about <laughs> about the beer and uh Germans say some weird stuff, don't they? Yeah, they
0: do. John, you're you're German. What what's the weirdest German word you can think of off the top of your head?
2: Um uh man. Uh that's is this a speed round? <laughs> yeah. Um I don't have one off the top of my head. I, I can tell you though that um the the word that has the largest number of characters in the German dictionary is speed speed limit sign. Oh. <laughs> and uh I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but uh <laughs> but yeah, that's a weird one. So, um but if you want to get a hold of us like we mentioned, the the show is for you um by us, so Send us an email, like like Brian or Bill or whatever his name was, uh, did at MCSCpodcast Bobby. at gmail.com. You can reach us on Twitter, at MPLSCitySC. You can reach myself, at Johnny Business two N's, two Z's, two S's, and at Mexinate, M-E-X-I-N-A-T-E. So that is all for this week. We hope you all go out there and enjoy America's birthday. Please don't buy some fireworks and blow off your other hand, Jason Pierre-Paul. Um, uh, but as usual we have go get them tiger taking us away but but wait nate what is this we hear is this a new song is this a new song could it be well it is it is Um, their ep is out folks Um, so we have all sorts of new material so these are our boys with cheat codes i am john that is nate yep um and so long friends have a great birthday america
0: Hashtag (laughs) Iceland Smites.
2: Bye-bye.